Welcome, fans, to another live edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jack Kilby, Executive Vice President of Great North Wrestling, and we're very pleased to welcome tonight as our guest a man who has had a a very extensive career, literally wrestled all over the world. I, I could name the countries and comes from a lineage of true wrestling royalty i am of course speaking of the one and only lloyd and he before we get to lloyd uh i have to of course as i always do at this juncture introduce the man who show this is mr cheapied himself morris shorthall morris how are you tonight sir absolutely brilliant thanks a million to you lloyd for joining us and looking forward to kicking into this thank you for having me yes let's do it so, Lloyd, I just thought I'd start off by by asking, you know, uh, the one of the the more obvious questions, but but that is uh, that is what was it like growing up in in such a uh, legendary pro wrestling centric family? Uh, you know, I get this question a lot, and uh, every time it's a little bit different because uh, I don't know. It was just normal for me as being a young kid, you know, being around my dad and my uncle and my brothers and cousins. Uh, you know, and uh, it was just normal for me. But when everybody got into the limelight, like working for WWF and, you know, stuff like that, it became a little bit more reality because now people knew not just my dad and uncle, but had more of us coming into the business. So that made it a little more interesting to the people to see, wow, there's more than just two Samoans or three Samoans. Uh, you know, there's quite a bit of us. So it, it got pretty exciting after a while. Lloyd, um, a couple of weeks back, obviously, two men you know very well, two relatives of yours, The Rock and Roman Reigns, were having that big WrestleMania press conference where they unveiled the family tree. And, of course, you were a part of that. What was it like to have that out there for your family to kind of see at such a grand stage like that? Did it make you feel proud? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, when uh, The Rock was saying that you know he was going to show the people something, and whether they hated him or they liked him or they hated him and, you know, speech that he did. And then all of a sudden uh, the screen came on and, you know, it had our family tree on there. It was really an honor and it, it was great to see it because now people see actually how big our family is in the wrestling, you know, uh, industry. Are, are you disappointed in any way, Lloyd, that, the Rock and Roman is seemingly been dropped from WrestleMania as it currently stands. You know, with them wrestling against each other, uh, not really. I mean, uh, I guess Rock has to do what he has to do, and uh, I believe the people didn't like when he came into the situation between him and uh, Roman and Cody Rhodes. So that became an issue right there. But uh, I think they're going a great route with it, and I can't wait to see what happens. Lloyd, could you uh, just to educate some of the the younger fans out there? Uh, tell the the story. Actually, it's not a story. It's it's taken on a you know legendary status about how Afa and Sika were were brought into the wrestling business in in San Francisco back in the day. <laughs> well, you know, my dad and my uncle and our family used to go watch our uncle High Chief Peter Maivia wrestle. And there was times where he would wrestle against, you know, um, so many of the wrestlers, like, you know, um, Pat Patterson, for example. That was a great one because 
Uh, Pat even told this story, God rest his soul, he would say that he used to love wrestling Peter Maivia, but he hated, especially in Cow Palace. And, uh, you know, <laughs> my dad and my uncle would actually just, you know, get involved. They seen him getting, you know, behind what, so they would actually, you know, jump in and fight with the security guards to get in there because, you know, Samoans, we stick together, especially blood, you know, they see that. So uh, it was interesting. And then, uh, you know, I believe my dad was telling me years ago that Captain Lou Albano and, you know, which through Captain Lou Albano, Andre the Giant, and my uncle Peter Maria was like, these guys are too damn big to do anything else. You know, why don't they get in the business? And then my dad actually started in the business first, and then he trained my uncle, and then that's when they went on the road. And, and they had so many names as the, the Islanders, uh, you know, uh, often Sika, it was, and then they just the Wild Simones. But, you know, then when they went to WWF, they, they stayed with often Sika, the Wild Simones. Yeah, I, I remember uh, Pat talking, talking about that story several times, and I guess everyone they're just just got tired of being beaten up by them and, and said these guys are naturals for the business we don't see that yeah <laughs> yeah for sure actually pat told that story at uh rocky's funeral he was telling some stories and uh he added that in there which was always a classic mm -hmm. We're kind of jumping back and forward here at the moment because we, we with the 40 minute time zone jack's jumping into the past i'm jumping potentially into the future but i was reading a, a news article recently said that you would be interested in returning to wwe in some kind of capacity is that still on the table or is there anything you're kind of looking at in that sense yeah i mean um let's correct that because you know people write stories and they put certain things in there um i did actually was gonna start with the company a while ago before Johnny Ace was gone because I talked to him, went down there, met with him in Philadelphia, and, uh, you know, he was going to put me to work. Then all of a sudden they had that uh, budget cut. So then I got the call, said, you know, we have to wait, give me six months, and we'll get you in here, you know, start it. So that went through, and then after the budget cut, of course, the things that happened with the, you know, situation with Vince McMahon and then putting – uh johnny ace involved in it and then they were he was gone so it was like it was a blind spot so what do we do next he's not the person he was the one that was gonna was actually hiring me and put me to work then now i have to start over again so i've been talking to them again and uh hopefully i can get through and uh you know go back to work and i want to go back as a producer type uh because i feel that i can give my knowledge and help in any way for the company you know since all of our family has been wrestling for the, the company and uh, we have such a great relationship with the, you know, the uh, WWE. I think that it would be something I can give back, uh, you know, because, you know, my wrestling days, I'm still wrestling, but I really don't want to do it anymore. If I don't have to, if I can go in there and give my knowledge and, you know, like I said, to help producing and, and, and doing the matches, that's something I would like to do. Was was that the initial role, sorry, Jack, that, that Johnny had in mind for you as well, or is this something that you want to do yourself? Well, that was something that he had in mind, but, you know, once you're in there, you never know what they're going to do. So I was I was open for anything at that time. Yeah. Speaking uh, in terms of your, your knowledge base, I, I know you, you're a trainer and, and you bring all those uh, decades and and multiple countries that they worked into the table and doing your own training. But um, when you were broken into the business and correct me if I'm wrong, 
you were trained by uh, Afa and Sika. I, I'm just wondering if the the process that that you went through was as hard hitting as one would expect, or rather, to use the the parlance, like old school training that that separated uh, you know some of the some of the workers from you know previous uh, eras with the more performance center cookie cart cutter approach of today. Oh yeah. My dad was, he was rough. I mean, you know, he was trained old school and he kept that hundred percent, even with his students, but uh, he was rough on all of us because he wanted us to be great at what we did. If we're going to follow in his footsteps and, you know, pursue wrestling then he wants the best out of us. So he, he didn't hold no punches with any of me and my brother cousins, any of us, you know, when we went out there, he, he laid it in, you know, he, he made us work hard and uh, my uncle as well. So, uh, you know, it was something that was uh, rough on us, but it paid off because all that old school training, look at, look at how many superstars you got right now that are working for the company. And it's just the lineage and the, and the uh, training just keeps going on and on. And, you know, we all train the same way. We have our own style. I say that, you know, we can wrestle with anybody. I mean, but we have our own style as to how we wrestle. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people can see that in every one of us that wrestle, there's something that's connecting us and, you know, the style that we have that knows that, you know, how we were trained. Cause I had somebody tell me that and they say, Oh, you guys kind of wrestle the same. You can tell you guys are family. Well, we got trained from the same person, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. are, are you reticent in, in your own, uh, when, when you're facilitating the training, given you know some of the complaints we've heard over the years about that that laying it in that that realistic style does that give you a pause to consider when dealing with the the uh the i don't want to say kids of today but the 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 students of today well see that's the problem i think uh right now a lot of the you know there's a lot of guys in the wrestling business that really don't believe belong there that's just my opinion because you know they come in and they get trained and all right you know this guy that only wrestled for 10 years is training people, which I don't take that away from anybody, but you want to get trained the right way. You want to, you know, not just know how to train to wrestle, to take bumps. You want to learn the whole in and out of the wrestling business. And to me, my dad always told people, and I tell people when I train them, if you're in here just for the spotlight and your heart is not in it, I don't want to see you. I don't want to deal with you. Because, you know, my heart and my passion is in this business. It has put food on the table for us when we were kids. It's put food on the table for my kids. So, you know, I don't take the wrestling business as something where, oh, it's on TV. I go out there to do my job and and do it correctly. And that's something that I like to pass on to a lot of these newcomers, you know, because a lot of them, you know, they go out there and they do so many things and they just want that, that real big pop from the people. That's fine, but, you know, there's no psychology no more in the wrestling. You know, it's very little. And 90% of this business is our psychology about, you know, how you do your matches and what you're doing. And that's something that my dad pounded, pounded in all of our heads. But I just took it and I soaked it in and I add a little bit of my psychology that I thought that would work out. And, and so far, people that I help. Uh, they they actually see it and they they understand it, you know. And I'm glad that I can reach out to those, uh, you know, kids and the upcoming trainers that I uh, workers that I help that they understand that. And it makes it a lot easier to when they go up to the big 
uh, when they get called up to the to the, to the big time WWE or AEW, that's a notch underneath their belt that they don't have to worry about when they're in the ring uh, because they'll see that they uh, they know what they're doing. Do you think, Lloyd, that there's something specific in the way that you and your family have trained? Like, and you look back over the longevity of certain family members wrestling for a long, long time. You say yourself, like you're still, you're still able to go if you need to go. What do you think that's down to? Do you think that's down to the way you were trained and the way you wrestle? Both. I, I believe both. You know, the way you're trained, and you know, I cherish my body. You know, I didn't go out there. I did some crazy stuff when I was young, but I kept it to a limit. I made sure that I, my matches mean something. And it didn't mean not coming off the top rope, flipping outside. It meant more psychology in the, in the ring. So that way you can save your body as well. And you can paint a story to the people because that's what you're doing. You're painting a story to the people to understand this match, whether you're a baby face or a heel, good guy, bad guy, they're going to know what you are. So, I mean, answering your question, yeah, it kept me going. I can still go because I didn't kill my body. I, I worked hard, but I still have good knees, good shoulders, you know, so I can still go out there and, and, and do a match uh, at any time. We've, on this program, had the pleasure to talk to an interview uh, quite a few of the Eastern Championship Wrestling Originals, including uh, Hitman, Tony Stetson, DC Drake. We've got Johnny Hotbody coming up. Uh, very excited about that. I know you worked there in 92 and 93. And I, I, I like to ask this question of the, the Originals in so much as when, when you're working Eastern Championship Wrestling, did, did you get the, the feeling that they were, they were on to something there, so to speak? Yeah, well, Todd Gordon was in charge of it, and actually, I wrestled for Eastern Championship Wrestling before Todd Gordon had it as well. I did some shows for, uh, I believe it was Joel Goodman that, that owned it, and then Todd Gordon took over, and me and Todd hit it off great. You know, he made me one of his top heels, and I was working with them, so I consider myself, and I, I know I am, with, uh, you know, the people that you just uh, mentioned right now, uh, working with them years ago before it became hardcore ECW. So I consider myself, uh, you know, uh, an original, just like, you know, the rest of those guys, uh, you know, you had Sandman that was there, uh, you know, Winters, you know, there was a lot of us that were there. Stetson, I, I have a clip on my, I believe on my Instagram where I was wrestling Tony Stetson uh, and it was a long time ago and uh, it, those were good times. You know, and then after a while, you know, did what I did, you know, worked with WWF and then went overseas and did a lot of other things. And then back after we resigned with WWE at that time, we ended up going and working with uh, ECW with uh, uh, Paul Hayden. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that for sure. But when when you did work for uh, WWF, uh, you did a lot of house show work in and around the same uh, time frame, the 92 time frame, uh, including, uh, you know, some syndicated TV work. I, I know you had a, an actual world tag team title match against the Steiners when you were with um, Brooklyn Brawler there. Uh, obviously that, that was, uh, you know, something that a lot of folks uh, in the business aspire to, but how did those particular uh, bookings uh, occur? 
Well, I, I, I remember very well. That's uh, when my dad and my, my uncle and my, my cousins were actually signed. They just signed with WWF at that time. And I was young. I was only 17 years old. And I would be there with my dad and all the course I was working already. I, I started, I broke in at 19, in 1980. I in time, started in 1987. I actually started in 85. Um, so, you know, I was, I was there. I was just hanging there and, and I'll never forget it. My dad walked up to Chief Jerry Strongbow, Garrett's soul, because him and Sergeant Slaughter were actually the ones in charge at that time. And he goes, hey, put my other boy to work. And the first thing Chief looked at him, he goes, oh, you damn Simone's could work. All right, let me see what I can do. So I didn't expect them to put me in a big main spot because I was young at that time. Uh, so they put me to work and I did TV. And then I was actually on the road with no contract. I was traveling with my cousin Yoko and Mr. Fuji, then with uh, Kish, you know. So, you know, I had the opportunity to be on the road. You know, I would stay on the East Coast and do all the, you know, the road shows. And I, I worked a lot, actually, with Marty Gennetti and uh, uh, X-Pac, one, two, three. I was actually kind of married to them because we were on the road and we'd wrestle, uh, you know, Boston Gardens, then Hartford, you know, that little loop. And then you come down to PA, do, uh, you know, uh, Hershey and then uh, Philadelphia. So it was it was great to work with those guys. And I had the opportunity to work with a lot of great names. So I'm very honored that I had that opportunity to be on the road at a young age and then be able to re-sign back in 90, I believe it was 98. Uh, me and my cousin, Matt, uh, Rosie, we signed together, uh, to, uh, start a new age Simone type thing they wanted to do. Uh, and at that time they, they had us on contract. We actually sat home. They wanted us to get in shape. They would actually fly us up to the office, work out of the office. They wanted us to really, really look different. And I, at that time I told them, said, listen, if you want me to lose, this weight and get in shape. Send me down to Puerto Rico when I wrestled. So Bruce Pritchard called up Carlos Colon and said, hey, we'd like to send Lloyd down there. He goes, hey, he's welcome anytime. So I went down there and I stayed for about six months. And in that six month time, I lost a hundred pounds in six months. I was busting my butt every day working, you know, down there in Puerto Rico plus in the gym every day. And when I came back, the office was amazed. It was like, wow, you lost quite a bit of weight. But you know, they, would take us and then they would put us on the road and we would, you know, go out to TV and they would say, all right, you're going to debut here. No, wait. So, you know, it was a waiting game. And then finally uh, we just did some house shows. And then after that, you know, after I think it was a year and a half, two years, uh, you know, they weren't doing anything. So they kind of like brushes off and let us off off our contract. And then uh, that's when uh, after a while, uh, Rosie went back with Omaga as a three minute warning, which, I was supposed to go there, but I was a little bit upset at that time and I didn't go to TV and then they ended up being three minute warning, which I was very happy because anytime you see your family in there, you, you know, I'm happy for anybody. There's no, you know, guilt trip or mad or anything. You know, if anything, I was kind of upset with the office, but still that was nothing to do with them getting hired. It was just, you know, things that we should have done when we were on contract, but otherwise, I was happy for them and uh, they continued doing that. And then I went on to, uh, you know, w uh, work overseas and do a lot of uh, overseas work with the Middle East. Uh, I did, uh, I was doing some producing with Qatar Pro Wrestling, uh, you know, also, and I was in Austria and Germany. I was all over the world, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I uh, was doing the USO tours with my brother Samuel and we started doing the head shrinkers, uh, you know, on the um, independent scenes and everything. 
So, uh, you know, I had quite a bit to do after that. And, uh, you know, I kept myself busy. Did you ever have any interactions or conversations with uh, Vince McMahon over the years? No, actually, you know, there was a thing where Vince would walk down the hallway and uh, I never really had a conversation with him. He would always go by me and say, hey, kid, and he would pat me on the shoulder, you know, and continue to his office. I never really, you know, spoke to him or went in his office. My dad was the one that would go and talk to him directly uh, or, you know, whoever he had to talk to. There would be a line outside waiting for people to get in his office to talk to him. And uh, my dad, you know, him and Vince had a great, you know, relationship. And he would just walk right in there and, uh, you know, they'd have their meeting, whatever they had to do at TV. And I was like, wow, I was impressed. You know, my dad was, that was just him. You know, they had that relationship from working years ago. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I never really had a conversation with him. It was always high and by and everything. And everything that he wanted. Ever us to know or everybody want to know it would go through the ages yeah yeah who did you find from outside your family is the person that helped you the most in the business besides anybody in my family i have to say i had a great great experience and learned a lot from uh dutch mental i was in puerto rico with him and i learned quite a bit from him he was you know, he lived with me. I had a condominium. He was there with me, and I got to spend time around him and just to learn that different style, which is that old Memphis style that he had. And it was so different, and it was opportunity to me to learn. And he would just, you know, pound stuff in my head and sit there at the table, and I just learned how he was doing, you know, finishes and, and doing angles for Puerto Rico. And it was just, it was crazy. It was going the, the place was sold out just from the things that he was doing. He was bringing that little bit of Memphis to Puerto Rico that people never saw, and it worked. So I learned a lot from him, and I have so much respect for him. Before we leave uh, Puerto Rico entirely, you, you had several runs there, successful runs. And and some of the folks that we talked to tell, uh, you know, have positive and then some really negative experiences in Puerto Rico with the fans. Uh, crazy attacking fans and all that sort of stuff. So I had to ask you, man, if you had anything along those lines. Oh my God! You now you opened up a different book. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've had. You know, I, I was warned. You know, I was told. You know how Puerto Rico was when I went there, and at that time I was young. I was, you know, I listened, but I was ready to go. And uh, first day I got there, I called my dad back and I said, Dad, I'm ready to come home. He was just tough it off for three months. You know, your uncle was there. My uncle Sika was there. So that kind of made me a little more comfortable. But when my uncle Sika left, I was like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, so um, while he was there, I had uh, I was, you know, he heard stories about Invader, you know, with him and Bruiser Brody. And I saw him at the office and it was like, you know, how you doing, sir? This and that. But, uh, you know, those visions stay in the back of your mind. You're like, all right, do you want to meet this guy? You know, you don't know nothing about him. So, uh, you know, he was he was cool with me and no problems. And then I remember that one night I was supposed to be on third match and they changed it. And they said, all right, you're working main event with Invader. I'm like, uh oh, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, I looked at my uncle and he says, don't worry about it. I'm here. You're going to be OK. It's all right. Just go out there and do what you got to do. And I went out there and uh, wrestled him. And, you know, we had a great match. And from that point on. While I was in Puerto Rico, 
I worked so much with him and it was times where I worked with him in his hometown. They, you know, he was part of the office and he booked me against him. So I had some great matches with him and uh, I had no problem with Invader at all. Otherwise, stories about the fans, I got a lot of stories about that. I've, uh, man, I've had, I, I got a uh, scar on my arm, my left arm, where I got cut by an old man. He had a little knife and he caught me because, you know, over there they don't have ringside. Only time they have ringside is on big events. So I was wrestling Ray Gonzalez and I went outside the ring and here I am and I'm getting up towards the, you know, the barricades where the fans are. So I go over there, you know, you, you just want to go out there and put that little extra out there, you know, for the fans. And Ray Gonzalez is beating the crap out of me and I'm on the, on the barricade and I feel something like burn on my arm and the security guard reaches over me and he grabs this guy and I turn around, this old guy with a little knife and I look at my arm and it's bleeding. I'm like, what the heck? So I get back in the ring, we finish the match and uh, after the match, I went in the locker room and I looked at it and it wasn't deep, deep, but it was deep enough where it was separated a little bit. So I went over there and I took some tape and I squeezed it together and put tape on it and left it alone and that was it. But uh, there's other times where we would actually get you know, mauled by the people. Uh, one of the worst times were when um, we were in a place called Turi Alto and Dutch Mantel had a, a, a program going on with uh, this kid, uh, Ray Gonzalez. And whoever won that match, uh, which is Ray Gonzalez won that match, they had Dutch's manager 15 feet in a cage. And if he won the match, he would get five minutes with him. So he beat Dutch Mantel and then all of a sudden Dutch goes back to the locker room and here comes the cage. And as soon as he goes to grab the guy, Dutch goes out there and puts a thing on his face and the guy passes out while the people went nuts. The place is jam-packed. Now it's our time to come out there and try to uh, get this uh, other wrestler that they turned babyface. He came out of nowhere. He wasn't allowed in the, in the babyface locker room. He wasn't allowed in the heel locker room. So he came from outside dressed and he came over there with a shoe and he started wearing Dutch Mantel out. So that was our cue to go out there and try to break him up. He starts beating the crap out of us. Dutch goes back, never makes it back to the to the locker room. Fans grabbed his legs. He fell. They kicked him. They split his eye wide open. The security guards jumped on top of him, got him in there. Here's Glenn Jacobs, Kane. He was there at that time. He's putting his feet up against the door, but we're stuck at the middle of the ring. Me and my partner and our manager, we have nowhere to go. They won't let us in the locker room. They closed it off. We can't go outside. There's fans outside. So we were actually in the middle of the ring for about 45 minutes. Oh, to get in the locker room. And then when we got time, when the security guard goes, let's go now because they started separating. Well, they saw us running. They came back and we got beat. I, I was throwing left, right, just to try to get in the locker room. They were hitting us in the head. Uh, they were throwing bottles. I mean, you name it. They were throwing it at us. And as soon as we got to the door, can't open the door. I'm like, what the hell? Here's Glenn Jacobs. Uh, at this time, he's already got his feet against the door. He didn't know it was us. I'm banging on the door. Open the door. Finally, he opens the door. We get inside, and he had to go, you know, put his legs back on the door. They were trying to, you know, break the door down. We couldn't get out of that locker room until the police came. And then they had the riot squad out there. There was about 35 cops out there, and we had to get Dutch to the hospital. So, therefore, we had to follow the police cars down the street a different way so they wouldn't throw anything at our cars to get Dutch to the hospital. So uh, that was one of the, the worst times that, you know, we had over there. There was a lot of other times, but that was, that was a crazy time. 
Wow, they really believe there, correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they I've got a gun pulled out on me in the outside of the locker, you know, outside of the arena. So, you know, there's 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 a lot of things that happen, but you know what? All that that went down and all the stuff that I've been through over there, Puerto Rico was one of the best territories that I worked in, and that's why I continue going back there because their energy, the people, you know, it's just that it gives you that adrenaline where you just want to go out there and you want to wrestle. And I, I love Puerto Rico. Carlos Colon, I, I love him to death. Uh, his family, the, uh, Carlitos, uh, you know, uh, Epico, the whole family. I know them since they were young before they were wrestling. And, uh, you know, to see them in the business now and where they're at now, I'm just proud of them. I call them my little brothers because I, I truly think they are because they've been around them basically all their life. Well, that's definitely going to make an interesting YouTube clip, don't you think? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> but you can tell by the way you talked about it, like you're not, you're like you have a smile on your face, like you kind of, you like you absorb these memories to bring you to where you are now, you know. And that's why we yes, were talking yes. earlier about all the experience you have. So here's, so here's a <laughs> random question: How did you end up in the wrestler, the movie? Wow. That's that's a good one because actually my dad they they got in touch the director got in touch with my dad and they needed somebody to train the main person that was going to be in that movie. See, a lot of people don't know, but at that time it wasn't Mickey Rourke; it was actually uh, Nicholas Cage. And my dad started training Nicholas Cage in the beginning, and then for some reason I guess they wanted because he was actually I I was heard was told that he was putting money into the movie, but then when they offered him to do uh, National Treasure 2, he pulled out and went to do that. So therefore, the director was like, who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Finally, they got Mickey Rourke. They gave him the opportunity. And I think Mickey Rourke should have been the best, the first choice, because he did an outrageous job. My dad trained him. I had an opportunity to train him a, couple, a few times. And uh, Mickey Rourke was so good in the ring. I mean... He, I, I, don't, I couldn't see anybody else playing that role besides him. So therefore, you know, how I got involved in it, by doing that, uh, the director wanted us to be in the movie, and uh, we actually did a match for the movie, and they edited that, that one out. They, you know, they only put so much in there. But uh, the locker scene, uh, the locker room scene we were involved in, and just helping with the wrestling and choreographing the matches, I had a lot to do with that as well. So, but my dad, I give my dad all the credit he was the one that had the opportunity to, to train Mickey Rourke, and he did a great job. I mean, uh, for him to pull it off like that, uh, you know, he had to get trained right, and uh, my dad did an awesome job. With great. Being a, a big fan of the original ECW, I had to ask you about your your uh, shots that you did there in 96, 97 as part of the Samoan gangster party how how that uh run was for you memories of uh that that crazy locker room that we hear about so much and any interactions with mr Heyman? paul Heyman was i say he's like vince mcmahon i, I don't want to put anybody down but paul Heyman is probably one of the second smartest men in this business besides i, I give credit to vince mcmahon because Let's, let's put it together. I mean, WWE wouldn't be the way it is if he didn't create it, you know, and now it's went to a different level. 
But Paul Heyman has, a, you know, he's just amazing. And uh, with ECW, he would come up with ideas. And, you know, sometimes if you came up with your own idea and if you liked it, go for it. But his mentality for the business is just incredible. Uh, you know, working for him was I, you know, he's worked for all our family for many years. And getting the opportunity to work with him is just great. And still to this day, you know, I can text him and, you know, say, hey, you know, I tell him Talofa and Simone or, you know, or call him, hey, how you doing, wise man? He'll text me right back. And he's just great, man. I, I love Paul. You know, uh, people see him differently. You know, uh, probably a lot of people do. But Paul is, I, I you know, I, I just can't describe it. His mind is impeccable. I mean, for the business, he's unbelievable. And for ECW, it was great to work for him. We had a lot of great matches. Uh, you know, we actually debuted in our hometown where we were living in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Uh, and we started off with the Dudleys. And then, uh, you know, my brother and uh, Matt did a program with them. And then I came in as a third one. And then me and Matt did a lot of uh, matches with the uh, gangsters and uh, Harry Sattering and, uh, you know, stuff like that. But we did a lot with the gangsters. We did a whole big program with them and uh new jack was he, he was something to wrestle you know a lot of people were scared of him but you know it was more like you know he tried to be rough with us but we were rough right back with him so he respected that and we had a great relationship and we had some good ones you know uh we got actually me and him got got us uh paul's got mad at us because we got kicked out of a, a building in redding pennsylvania uh because we were fighting outside and i hit him so hard he went right to the wall and I tell the story a lot because it's the truth. You know, he went through the wall, and next thing you know, me looking and, you know, fans are, you know, yelling, ECW. So I said, I'm going to go in this wall and get him. And I went to the wall and made it bigger. And we come out fighting, and next thing you know, we go in the locker room, and then Paul's, like, yelling, great. Now we can't go, and we can't come back here. We get kicked out of the building. And I'm like, oh, sorry, you know. Everybody's apologizing, but at the same time, we're like, what the hell? You know, it's wrestling. It's ECW, you know, so, uh, you know, I have great memories, too, working with uh, ECW. You know, we had a great time, and uh, I, you know, like I said, all this stuff, all the, of my career, the things that happened, you know, I, I would say I, I would do it all over again, you know, even though it was some bad times and crazy times, but I would do it all over again. Speaking of Paul, how influential do you think Paul is to, to Roman's character currently on TV? Well, I mean, Roman is himself. He brings a lot to the table. He brings all of it to the table. And by Paul Heyman being by his side, it just kicks it up another notch. He's a good, I mean, he's on the mic. He's crazy. He's unbelievable. You know, his mic skills, you know, he's in his psychology of the business. It's just unbelievable. So it, it that, that mixture with Roman and uh, Paul and the whole uh, bloodline, man, yeah. it's that storyline. I've, I've seen a long time. Yeah. We see, you see, obviously the rock is the biggest superstar in the world, basically across the board. And then you look at Roman is on the, the rise. Like, where do you think Roman ceiling is like in terms of looking at a guy like the rock, that's the biggest superstar on the planet. Do you think Roman can reach those le levels? Yeah. I mean, if not, you know, I'm not saying he's there right now, but he is definitely close. I mean, he has a name. I mean, he's, he's, he might as well say he's a legend right now, you know, for everything that he's done, you know, holding the, he's beating records, holding the, you know, heavyweight championship belt and 
you know, all the things that he's been doing. So, uh, yeah, I see him doing movies and, you know, uh, just being a legend. And I know for a fact he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. That's not going to be even a question. Well, Lloyd, I know we've uh, almost hit the end of the allotted time frame, but I have a two-part question for you to, to sure, end. One, one part A being, in your opinion, who is the true head of the table in the bloodline? Would that be The Rock or would it be Roman? And does that match need to happen in order to establish that? And secondly, you spoke of the Hall of Fame. How much would it mean for you to get an induction in the Hall of Fame, sir? Uh, I'll answer that first. Uh, <laughs> um, I wouldn't see anything. I would be honored, but I wouldn't see myself in the Hall of Fame because I didn't have that biggest name that, like, you know, for WWE, like my family did, you know, so, but it would, you know, you never know with them, you know, they put, you know, like, for example, uh, they put movie stars in there, you know, in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, with WWE, you never know. If it ever happened, it would be a true, true honor, you know, and not only for WWE, but for my family. Uh, but on the other question, uh, who's the true head of the table between The Rock and Roman uh, and the match? Yeah, I would like to see it happen. You know, it, it's been built up for so long and the people want to see it. And then, you know, of course, when Cody came in, then it, it, it drew to him and it, and it drew them to now Cody and Roman. And that's where they're at right now. But the true head of the table, I would say, uh, is not either one of them. I would say my dad, because without him, none of us would be in this business. So he is the true head of the table. And the respect and the honor goes to him for putting us in the wrestling business and my uncle Sika as well for without them, we wouldn't be here, you know, and, uh, it's, it's actually, you know, I get emotional about it because my dad's getting older and, uh, he's done so much in this wrestling business and for everybody. And, uh, I just praise him and he's my hero. That's, that's a great answer. You could say that they created the table. Yes, absolutely. Well, Lloyd, where can uh, the fans keep up with you on social media? And, and do you have anything in particular to put out there to the fans that, that they should they should be aware of that you'd like to promote? Yeah, yeah, they can catch me. You know, I'm on all social medias. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, X, which is, uh, you know, uh, that new name for, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it's called X, I guess. I'm on all that, you know, they can catch me on uh, with my name, uh, Lloyd on Hawaii or Great Alofa, LA Smooth. I'm pretty sure it's easy to find. Uh, and also, too, um, I have some upcoming uh, events coming up, which at WrestleMania, uh, WrestleCon, I'll be there all three days in Philadelphia. And also I have uh, a Legends uh, Fest in St. Louis, Missouri, I'll be at, where will be a lot of, you know, legends there, Ron Simmons, uh, so many of them. I, I think uh, Stan Hansen will be there, and uh, I have the opportunity to be part of that. And got some other stuff coming up. I'm working on some movie roles I've been doing, you know, trying to get on, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, just continue uh, trying to, you know, get that producer job with WWE. You know, hopefully that falls through. If not, it's you know, it's not made to be. But uh, that was something that I'll continue pursuing, and hopefully, uh, can be there and uh, go from there. 
Well, we certainly uh, appreciate your time today and sharing uh, a bit of the vast uh, knowledge that, that you have for, for the industry. And you'd be most definitely a very uh, welcome addition to that uh, organization that needs more wrestling people, in, in my opinion, involved in, in the company. So thanks, Lloyd, for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you guys very much. And it's an honor to be on your show. And, uh, you know, let's let's hook up some time and let's do it again. Absolutely. We we greatly appreciate it. So, fans, that's it for this particular edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. Be sure, if you haven't already, like and subscribe to the channel and you'll stay on top of all the great content such as this that we have coming this year. But until then, thanks for viewing and see you next time.